0: Hey everyone, it's great to have you with us today as we continue our message series, not just on Sunday. And today we're going to be talking about the subject of humility. You know, when I think of humility, I can't help but think back with a little bit of regret back to my high school days. God had blessed me with uh, some abilities to be able to run pretty well, and there were a number of times uh, throughout my high school running career when I was interviewed by newspapers. Yes, I said newspapers. That was back in the day when we actually had those things. Not quite as far back as the Stone Age, but anyway, I had an opportunity to then be able to give a clear witness about God giving me my legs and my lungs. And the reason why I look back on that time with regret is because I never gave credit where credit is due. I was so focused on myself and so focused on what I wanted that I didn't even stop to think about giving credit to God and being able to boast in his ability to give me the abilities that I had. And so there's that lack of humility that I had led to regret. But I think for many of us, it also leads to Issues with our relationships, that sometimes it's not just regret in our relationships, but it's also disconnect. So, for example, a husband and wife, uh, if they are having humility issues, so in other words, they're, they're being proud of their accomplishments or, or taking pride in different things in their relationship, a lot of times what they're going to do is they're going to look to get instead of to give in their relationship, and that leads to a disconnect. And that's not just true in a marital relationship, that's true in our family, that's true among friends, and that's especially true in our relationship with God. And so today, as we talk about humility, let's define what humility is. And I think one of the best uh, descriptions that I heard actually was in the book, The Purpose-Driven Life by Pastor Rick Warren, and this is what he said, that humility is not thinking less of yourself it is thinking of yourself less. And I think that's the thing of, of why it might be so hard to sometimes be a humble person because it actually requires that we think of ourselves less. And I think I see this very clearly when driving around out here in Phoenix. Uh, every single day as we try to merge into a lane, if there's like a construction lane closure or an accident or whatever, that uh, if, if I'm trying to merge in, I'm always like, you know, just secretly muttering under my breath, would you just let me in already? But then when the roles reverse and I'm the guy that's going to be letting somebody in, then I'm like, nope, sucks to be you. You're stuck in that lane. It's just interesting how hard it can be to be humble, to put into practice what Rick Warren says here of thinking of yourself less. But this is not a new problem. Two thousand years ago, when Jesus observed how his disciples behaved and how the religious people of his day behaved, he observed a lack of humility as well. In fact, I find it interesting that the the two times that we have arguments recorded among the disciples, you want to know what it was about? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That, That was what their arguments were about. And I can only imagine Jesus just kind of shaking his head like, oh my goodness, these guys just don't get it, do they? And, and that's the thing, is that it wasn't new. It's not a new problem. And so it's something that people of all times have struggled with. And that's why it's so good for us to be able to just focus on a parable that Jesus told that helps us identify where the humility issues are that we struggle with. And so we're going to dive into Luke chapter 18, and we're going to start with verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now, the word righteousness is just a big Bible word that means to be right with God. And and so, in other words, it was the kind of person who kind of looked around at everybody else and said, well, I'm good enough to be good with God. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm good enough to be good with God. And so, as Jesus was preparing to tell this parable, he could see not only into the hearts of the disciples, he could see into the hearts of the Pharisees who were in the crowd that day, and other people, all of which, had a pride issue, that they just lacked humility. And so here's the parable that he said then, starting with verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now what's interesting is that this Pharisee in Jesus' parable was the model citizen of Jewish society. This was the kind of guy that you would let date your daughter. This was the kind of guy that you would love to have in your church because he helped pay the bills by giving a tenth of all that he got. This was the kind of guy that you would love to have as your neighbor because he was always coming over and offering a hand with whatever project that you were working on. He was a model citizen of the Jewish society. But then notice that Jesus then draws a stark contrast. He then says, hey, take a look at this tax collector. And the tax collector, on the other hand, was not a model citizen of Jewish society. They were often the people who were kicked out of the synagogues, the people who were distrusted and shunned, the person you would definitely not let date your daughter. And so he draws this stark contrast between the two. And the reason for that is this, that in God's eyes, We're all the same. We are broken, broken by sin, and yet we are also beloved by our Heavenly Father. It's just so interesting that uh, Jesus spoke against spiritual pride and he spoke against that lack of humility all the time because in God's eyes, we're all the same. I can't be looking at the person who is a robber or an evildoer or an adulterer or a tax collector and say, Wow! You know, they're they're not as good as me because in God's eyes, we're all the same. We're all broken by sin. Don't believe me? Listen to what James, uh, the apostle, um, who was the half-brother of Jesus, this is what he said. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. And so for this Pharisee, he was was giving a tenth of all that he got. He was fasting twice a week, which by the way, the Pharisees love to be able to take Laws from the Old Testament and then increase them to an infinitesimal degree. So, for example, the Mosaic law said all you had to do was fast once a year. And here he's saying, "I'm, I'm, I'm fasting twice a week." Why? Because that was something that was easy for him to to be able to do to just say, "Hey, look at how great I am." So it was all about boosting his ego. And all the while, God is saying, "Hey, if you are." Guilty of breaking the law at just one point. You are the same as the tax collector. And so in God's eyes, we're all the same. We are broken by sin, and yet we are beloved. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Think about that. That I'm broken just as much as you. And yet, we're all the same. We're all beloved by our gracious God. And then uh, if you take a look back at verse 11, notice that it said that Jesus said the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. just want to ask you, how would you feel if I prayed this prayer in church? How would you feel if I just, you know, after the message, bowed my head and said, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these schmucks in this room right now. How, how do you think that you would feel? I mean, it's terrible, right? I mean, if we're ever around somebody who's full of themselves, who's just constantly talking about themselves, that just makes everyone uncomfortable, doesn't it? If we're, If we're around somebody who is just, you know, extremely arrogant and they're like the know-it-all in the room, no one wants to be around that person. If you've ever listened in on an interview with uh, professional athletes after they've had a particularly great game and they're like boasting and saying, I'm the best and nobody can get past me or whatever it is, it just makes you uncomfortable. And why? Because anytime that someone is boasting about themselves, you know what they're actually doing? They're putting other people down. And I might add that when we as Christians do that, we're not only misrepresenting Jesus, but we're actually failing to look up to God. And this is kind of the next point as we think about this, that when we look down on others, we fail to look up to God. Because we're thinking, hey, I'm I'm confident in my own righteousness. I, I don't need you, God. I don't need what you have done for me through Jesus. And yet, what does the psalmist tell us in Psalm 10, verse 4? He says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him, does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. You know, that's the thing, is that when I'm full of myself, there's no room for God in my life. When I'm full of my prideful, sinful prideful thoughts, then there's no room for my need for God. I fail to look up to God. And what I think of when I think that there's no room for God, I think of of what my mom almost always told me pretty much before every single dinner time, Don't eat snacks before dinner. And why? Because she wanted me to be hungry. She wanted me to be ready to eat the good meal that she had prepared for our family. And so also the same thing is true when it comes to our spiritual life. If I'm so full of myself, I'm not going to hunger for God. I'm not going to see the need to look up to him as the one who is my Savior because I'm just busy being confident in my own righteousness. But notice the contrast then between the Pharisee who was full of himself and had no room for God, no need for Jesus, and the tax collector. Look at verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It is an incredible contrast that the Pharisee boasted about how much God needed him, right? Whereas the tax collector confessed his need for God. And so as we think about that, our our next point is this, that God's mercy motivates me to be humbly honest about my sin and my need for Jesus. That God's mercy really is the motivation, that the fact that he does not treat me as my sins deserve the fact that I think of in view of the cross, you know, we, we talked about this last week, right, about living in view of God's mercy and just thinking about what Jesus accomplished for us through his death, that he took the punishment that we deserve so that we don't get what we deserve, that we instead get eternal life in heaven because of what Jesus has done for us. And so as we live with that, that's what motivates us then to be able to be honest and open and transparent about our struggles in sin, And this is the reason why we do what we do every Sunday morning in worship at Crosswalk. That we open with a couple of praise songs, being able to, to focus on who God is and why he is worthy of our praise. And then right after that, we go into a time that we call confession and absolution. When we have the chance to be able to say to God, I'm sorry for how I have hurt you and hurt others This past week, and we're able to just be open and honest and transparent about our struggles with sin. And so, let me ask you when when you come into church on a Sunday morning, do you come in, you know, just feeling so full of yourself that I'm good, look at me? Or do you come in being ready to be humble and honest and to be like the tax collector here and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner? Because that's what that does. But here's the thing we need to understand, that it's not just on Sunday. That Jesus wants us to be able to have that kind of an attitude every day of our lives, that we acknowledge our sin and we acknowledge our need for him as our Savior. Because look at the conclusion that Jesus has uh, to this parable, that in verse 14, he says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted now jesus uses a another big bible word here and that is justify and what i want you to picture whenever you hear that word justify is a courtroom in which the judge slams the gavel down and says you're not guilty and that's the picture that jesus gives is that this tax collector based on his confession And based on his trust in God's mercy, is the one who was declared not guilty in God's courtroom. And the beauty of that is that that is something that we know to be true for you and for me. Because Jesus did that. He accomplished that declaration of not guilty for all of us through his death and his resurrection. In fact, the Apostle Paul uh, put it this way uh, very well in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 2, starting with verse 5, when he said, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, the reason why that tax collector could go home justified is because Jesus humbled himself. Jesus is the one who humbled himself so that that tax collector and you and me, by faith in Jesus, can be exalted. That by faith in him, we can receive forgiveness and we can receive eternal life, which Jesus has given to us. And what I love about this is, is this idea that because of Jesus' humility, he has given us a new identity and a new destiny. Because of Jesus' humility, because he was willing to pay the price for our forgiveness, we now have a new identity and a new destiny. The destiny? Eternal life in heaven. The new identity is that we're a beloved child of God. And so a proper understanding of my identity in Christ develops my character of humility. I want you to think about that because that's really what Paul is saying here as he wrote this to the Philippians. He's saying, I want you to have the same mindset as that of Jesus. I want you to have a mindset of humility. Not being proud of your own spiritual accomplishments and saying, hey God, look at how good I am so therefore you should let me in heaven because that ain't going to fly. But instead to be able to rely on Jesus' humility for you that changes your identity. And the question that I think that's really important to ask then is, is how do I cultivate humility into my habits so that it becomes part of my character? And this is where we often will make reference to the event cycle in which you think about, um, so for example, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector in this example that he gives us in this parable, that they're in the temple and they're praying and this Pharisee, he, what does he do? He just boasts all the more about how great he is. And in that event cycle, the thought process, the self-talk that the Pharisee had was, Hey, look at, at me. Look at how great I am. And instead, to be able to insert God's talk into that, to insert God's word into that, that then helps reframe our emotions, our thought processes, our words and actions that then can develop into a character of humility. And so there are really three ways to be able to help develop that character of humility. And the first is this, daily repentance. That I daily acknowledge my sin, that God, I I have mercy on me, a sinner, because I have not lived up to your standard of perfection that I have failed to be who you want me to be at times, and I have done what is wrong, that I have sinned against you and against my family, my friends, co-workers, and everyone around me. That's really daily repentance, that it's a change in my mindset about my sin and acknowledging it and then trusting that I'm forgiven because of Jesus. And then the second part is that we want to have regular Bible reading, that, hey, if you want to have the best way to be able to insert God's talk Into your thought process, into your self talk, then it's through daily Bible reading. And one of the things that I think I would encourage is for you, if you haven't already done so, is to download the YouVersion Bible app. And uh, we then can get a chance to be able to share with you different Bible reading plans that we have connected to each of our new message series. In fact, this week uh, we're wrapping up one that's all about the subject of worship. And we'll be having that one go again in the next couple of weeks. And so that's an opportunity for you to cultivate that habit of daily Bible reading that then helps you have God's talk being inserted into your thought process, which changes emotions, which changes words and actions, which then develops a character of humility. And then finally, uh, the, the final thought of how to develop a character of humility is by connecting with my community of believers that there's no better way to be able to put the the actions of humility into practice than than doing it with fellow believers. Than getting involved in a growth group, getting involved on a ministry team where you're able to serve other people, getting involved within your Christian community where then you can put that character of humility into practice. And whenever I think of putting something into practice, I think of the words of a wise coach uh, from a number of years ago when he reminded me that practice doesn't exactly make perfect. You watch uh, the NBA players or you watch the NFL football players or the MLB uh, baseball players and, my goodness, uh, for baseball, you're considered a pretty good hit, hitter if you're batting 300, right? Well, if you do the math, that's only one out of every three that you're hitting, right? And so that's not perfect. Practice doesn't make perfect, but it does make permanent. And so as we develop a character of humility, connecting into Christian community helps us be able to practice that humility, helps us to be able to then have that same mindset as Jesus, as we seek to love one another as he first loved us. One of the the great examples of this as we close today then is what I observe happening in our resilient ministry, that every week, uh, we get a chance to, to meet, and we're all struggling with different things going on. Some people are struggling to break free from addiction. Uh, some people are struggling to break free from mental hang-ups. Others are trying to break free from uh, just, you know, habits that have, have gotten maybe not to the point of an addiction, but are they're struggling with it. And so whatever the hurt, the habit, or the hang-up is, That we see that God is able to help us through when we listen to each other's stories, we pray for each other, and in our resilient meetings, we, we have a time of confession and a time of absolution as well. But what's so amazing is to see how God is changing minds, how God is changing attitudes and developing character of humility that is leading to uh, some of these guys wanting to be a part of our, our safety team, that they're protecting our cars during services and so on. And we're just so grateful for that. And what that shows is that as we develop this character of humility, that God blesses us with his mercy, blesses us with his mindset, blesses us with opportunities to make a difference in the lives of others. So again, this week, it's not just on Sunday that we get to practice humility. It's all week long. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your mindset that led you to the cross where you had mercy on all of us, that like the tax collector who said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. We confess our sins to you knowing that you took them all to the cross where you humbly died in our place. And so Lord Jesus Give us a mindset of humility. Give us a mindset that we look to be able to be a blessing to other people, that we look for opportunities to serve, that we look for ways to be able to influence and impact the lives of other people with your love. And give us humility, Lord, as we do so. And we ask all of this in your saving name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen.